Paul doesn't goof around. He said either Jesus is raised from the dead or he isn't. If he's not, why, why mess with the gospel at all? It's been quite a day so far. And, you know, one of the things, there's two things. One is we're, as we're meeting with the Lord and he's speaking to us individually, please just, there's two things on that one. You don't come to hear God to get a fix. Okay? Because he wants you to walk in what he has for you so that you can walk in it. You don't go and, see, the goal is that you're maintaining those two areas of oil and fire. Oil you get, so if you have a lamp, like the old-fashioned lamps that they used to have, if you put fire in a, in a lamp that doesn't have oil in it, do you know what happens? It burns the wick up. Then you have nothing to use. But if the, oil has, if the lamp has oil in it, the oil goes into the wick, and then from there the oil burns, not the wick. Okay, I know that's simple. Some of you are like, duh. But spiritually speaking, that's what you are. And you get the oil, you maintain that by spending time with Jesus on his own. He is the anointed one. He is the anointed one. Okay, he is the anointed one. You spend time with him. He shares that oil with you. The fire of the Holy Spirit. See, some of you come forward, you want prayer for fire, but you don't got no oil. And he wants you to wait with him. He wants you to spend time with him where he'll give you the oil so as the fire comes, there's something to burn. There's some kind of... Some of you are like, well, I had the fire and it seems to have gone out. Well, how much oil are you carrying around? See, so we come to church sometimes and we, it's like we need a fix. It's like we come, we want someone to prophesy, we want someone to pray for us. Wonderful, we want to do that. But we come and it's like, I just want to fix, give me some more fire. But God wants you to wait on him so that you learn that that's where your oil comes from. So that when the spirit comes in, in power, there's something to work with. Fair enough? Everyone's gotten real quiet, so it's just, you know, even with that, I, I didn't look around to see if everyone responded. I remember we had Ben Fitzgerald here some years ago, and uh, he's going to be at a rise, by the way. It's amazing that, you know, he, he helps to lead uh, Awakening Europe, and they have these events with thousands and thousands of people. He's coming to a rise. But he came and ministered here uh, one, I think it was a Sunday evening. It was probably about half the people that are here now that were at that meeting. And he kind of gave a word of knowledge. He said that someone's here, and he described a tattoo on the back of the individual. And I was sitting like in the front row here, and he describes this tattoo, and he says, and the Lord wants to, to give you a word. And then a hush came over, and nobody moved. And I sat there going, oh, he got it wrong. That's what I was thinking. Oh, he got it wrong. The man of God got it wrong. What does that mean? Oh, no, he got it wrong. And that's what was in my mind. And then I remember Grace was on the camera. She goes, that isn't the way my tattoo looks. But, and he goes, will you come forward? I'll pray for you. So she's like, well, I'll take a blessing. Absolutely. But, you know, I was really bothered me because it's like, oh, he gave a word and there was like he was wrong. You know what I learned a few days after that? The lady who had that tattoo was sitting in this area over here. She didn't want to get up. She didn't want to acknowledge it. That shook me. Two things. One, why would somebody lie like that? 
If God's calling you out, why would you want to hide? Yeah? But people do. And secondly, my question was, why did I think the man of God got it wrong? Why was that my immediate thought? See, I don't know what that hears. I know he readily hears from God. And so some of you are just maybe like, well, I'm not saying anything. I'm going to pretend it's not me. Don't lie. <laughs> don't hide. Don't make God look odd. Yeah, is that okay? And be careful when we, when we judge those things. We automatically think the man of God gets it wrong. Be careful on that. No, I'll test it. I'll ask people, what did you hear? Say, so, well, I saw this word or I heard this. And these are the words I heard. Did you hear that? Was that God? Yes. Well, then you stand on what you heard. Yeah, because you heard it. And if somebody else doesn't want to acknowledge it, that's, well, that you miss out. If I can put it that bluntly. Yeah? Does that make sense? Okay, enough of that. Father, we thank you tonight that uh, it is the resurrection as we celebrate the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And I thank you tonight, Father, that your desire for your people is that we're equipped, we understand your ways, your works, that, Lord, we're those that can stand in the midst of situations, and we understand your word. We know what's in it. We know what it's about. And that, Father, I pray in Jesus' name that you'll just touch people tonight. I pray that the reality of the resurrection would grab them in a deeper facet, and that, Lord, they'll be equipped more and more for doing what you want them to do and to walk in the grace and the power of the resurrection. And so, Father, I just thank you tonight for your love. Thank you for your truth. Thank you that your word is truth. Lord, sanctify us by your truth, by your word. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. When it comes to resurrection, now, I don't know who's, who's I can't see who's on the, on the screen. Oh, there's Doug. Okay, great. Because I'm going to look at a number of verses tonight. So, Doug, I'm going to ask you to kind of keep up with me. When it comes to resurrection, the term resurrection, going from death to life. It's going from death to what? Life. Okay, the resurrection, the teaching on resurrection, the principle of resurrection is one of the fundamental truths, or you say doctrines, of the Christian faith. Resurrection is one of those doctrines that is basic. It's one of the basic ones we build on when it comes to the Christian faith. In Hebrews chapter 6, the Bible speaks of it, verses 1 to 3. In Hebrews chapter 6, verses 1 to 3, which Doug is going to put on the screen, it speaks of resurrection as being one of the elementary doctrines of the Christian faith. If you're a Christian and you don't believe in resurrection, can I say you need to repent? Because resurrection is a core teaching in the Bible, and this has to do with our Christian faith. This has to do with following Jesus. Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection, that's maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith towards God, of the doctrine of baptisms, of laying on of hands, of what? The resurrection of the dead. That's a basic Bible doctrine. A doctrine just means teaching. Don't get wigged out by the, name doc, by the word doctrine. It means teaching. It means that which the Bible teaches. So you can go from Genesis all the way to Revelation and look at one subject and go all the way through. This is the doctrine of that particular subject line. 
And, do- and resurrection is one of the fundamental doctrines of the Christian faith. Not laying again the, uh, of the resurrection of the dead and of eternal judgment. And this we will do if God permits. See, when it comes to resurrection being a fundamental doctrine, it's central to the gospel. It's central to the gospel. In other words, that there were people in the early church who they grew up being taught there's no such thing as resurrection. And then they became Christians. They believed in the Lord Jesus. Now they got a problem. Because they were taught growing up there's no such thing as resurrection. Now they believe in the Lord Jesus. Who was what? Raised from the dead. So either they changed their view or they can't follow Jesus. There's no other way. So 1 Corinthians verse, um, 1 Corinthians 15 when you look at the first three, four verses there, this is fundamental to our, uh, the central, pardon me, to the gospel. When it comes to it, the Bible says this, Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you, um, which also you received and in which you stand, by which also you are, what? Amen. This message of the gospel, this is the reality of what Jesus did, that by it you're saved, if you hold fast, that word which was preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ, what? Died for our sins, according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried, and that He, what? Again, from the dead, the third day, according to the Scriptures. This is fundamental. It's central to the Gospel message. To say, I believe in Jesus, and not believing in resurrection, it's a contradiction. This is just a fact. Resurrection is real. Resurrection is central to the Bible's teaching. It's central to the gospel. It's also central to your confession of faith. See, I've heard people preach a gospel that says, oh, as long as I believe Jesus died on the cross for my sins, that's what the gospel is. It's not. Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10. Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10, speak of the gospel that's preached and what we believe. The confession that we make, personal confession that we make in regards to Jesus. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that what? God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. You know what it doesn't say? That if I believe in my heart that Jesus died on the cross for my sins. Did he? Yes, he did. But that's not what that says. Lord, help us with this. To say I follow Jesus and not to believe that he rose from the dead is a contradiction. This is a basic confession of your faith. Jesus rose from the dead. I believe that. I believe it. Jesus rose from the dead. God raised Jesus from the dead. And I've confessed with my mouth that he's Lord of my life. I follow him. We have a gospel of life, not of death. Amen. See, I believe in these last day, in these latter days, what we've seen over this pandemic, everyone was afraid of death. They've been the churchgoers are some of the worst. They know hell's real. They're not so sure about heaven or if they're going to get there. They know Jesus died, but the Bible says Jesus didn't stay dead. What did he do? 
He rose from the dead. Guess what? I've got a gospel of life. I've got good news of life. If I die, I'll go from here to there, and I'll see him face to face. I ain't got nothing to worry about. See, when we have a gospel of life, then all of a sudden it's like I'm free to live now. Because the fear that people have is what's going to happen to me? What if I die? Well, if you already have eternal life and you already have that in him, then what do you have to get worried about? Oh, Lord, help us. You say, well, what if this? What if that? Okay, what if? What's the worst that they hand you a ticket say it's time to go home? That's the worst it gets. That's amazing. The resurrection is a core teaching. It's a core doctrine. It's central to the gospel. And it's a core thing for your confession of faith. So when we say, I follow Jesus, we believe in what? Resurrection. You cannot follow Jesus and not believe in resurrection. You know, the apostle Paul was so clear on this issue that when it comes to the gospel, when it comes to following Jesus, and he was dealing with some of those people who were raised and saying there's no such thing as resurrection. He said that, listen, if Christ isn't risen, if you're taking notes, 1 Corinthians 15, verses 12 to 19, he names seven things about it that if you deny the resurrection, this is what it means for you. It means that Christ isn't risen, that you worship a dead dude. He said that your preaching is in vain. When we preach, it has no meaning, it's empty. He says that your faith is futile and it's empty. That means what you say you believe, there's nothing to it. He says if Christ isn't risen from the dead, you're also a false witness of Christ because you claim he rose from the dead. If the dead don't rise, then you're just a liar. And boy, I tell you that, there's a double judgment in that. Not only for your sin, but the confession saying something's true when it's a lie. That also that... Um, um, you're still in your sins. If Jesus hasn't risen from the dead, you're still in your sins. That means that those who said they believed in Jesus, who have already died, that's it. There's no hope for them either. When it comes to it that they've perished. And if you have hope only in this life, Jesus isn't raised. If you have hope in this life and that's it, you're to be pitied above everybody else. Paul doesn't goof around. He said either Jesus is raised from the dead or he isn't. If he's not, why, why mess with the gospel at all? Jesus is risen from the dead. It's central to our faith. It's a core teaching of scripture and the doctrine, and it's a core confession of your faith. You can't mess around with this. I've heard people say, well, maybe Jesus didn't really rise from the dead. Well, dude, maybe you're not really a Christian. You say, well, I'm not sure I believe Jesus rose from the dead. Then get out of the pulpit. You go home and find out what the truth is, and then you'll come back to the pulpit and you'll have something to say. But you don't mess around with that. You don't touch that. The Bible says Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. He was buried, and he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. That's the gospel. That's what you hold to. You don't mess with that. You touch that. You touch, I'm telling you, you touch the apple of God's eye. The Bible says if you try to change the gospel, you're to be condemned and have eternal condemnation, Paul says. Galatians chapter 1. He doesn't mess around. Neither do I. This is the gospel of God. This is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the gospel of peace. This is the gospel of life and immortality. This is the gospel of, 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 of God's mercy and kindness. You don't mess with that. We believe it. 
We hold firmly to it. There's only one gospel that saves. Amen? So when it comes to resurrection, this is part of, this is a main, again, the core, core issue. It's a fundamental doctrine. It's central to the gospel. And it's central to our confession of faith. Now I need to say is that there's different types of resurrection. This might surprise you. You know that not every resurrection that happens in the Bible is a permanent resurrection. There are temporary resurrections that happen in the Bible. You got three of them in the Old Testament. You got two widows whose sons had died, and prophets um, Elijah and Elisha, they raise them from the dead. But they're going to die what? Again, it's not permanent, it's temporary. You also have this one saying, this is amazing there, it's in 2 Kings, I think it's chapter 4, but you've got this, there's these marauders that are coming into Israel, and these guys are having a funeral, and they don't know, they got to throw the body somewhere, and then they got to get away so they don't get like robbed or whatever, these marauders that are there. So they throw them into the tomb of, of, of Elisha, and Elisha's been dead a while, there's only his bones in there. And as soon as the dead dude touches Elisha's bones, he gets raised from the dead. That's a cool one. I think that's awesome. But even that guy's going to die, what? Again, you have him in the New Testament. Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. But it's a temporary resurrection. It's not permanent. That, those kinds of things. You've got Lazarus. You've got Jairus' daughter at the age of 12. She dies, Mark chapter 5, verses 21 to 43. You've got a lady whose son dies. She's called the widow of Nain. And then Luke chapter 7, verses 11 to 15. Jesus raised, he kind of comes across this, this, this uh, funeral procession. And, and this lady, she's a widow. She doesn't have anybody. And if her son's dead, now she's left with nothing. And so Jesus raises her son from the dead. But it's not a permanent resurrection. We got, let's see, you've got um, Acts with Peter. There's this lady, Tabitha or Dorcas, depending on how you translate her name. And she's like very, very kind. She likes, makes things for people and she dies. And Peter goes and they say, will you touch her life? Will you touch her? And they got her like in a room and they got her kind of set aside. And, and Peter goes down and he prays and then he goes, literally gets like on top of her. It's kind of weird, but then raises her from the dead. And then you've got Paul as well. He does this, well, he doesn't do the same thing, but he's preaching and he's like a long-winded preacher. How many of you guys like long-winded preachers? Now y'all's hand better go up now. But he's preaching late into the night, and he's got one of the guys that he's preaching. Oh, I wrote down his name. It's one of those really kind of um, um, E-U-T-H-Y-C-H-U-S. Euthychus. I don't know how you say his name. Eutychus. Thank you, Nat. You're a Bible scholar. Well done. Eutychus. There we go. And this guy falls asleep while he's preaching, falls out the window, and dies. Boy, that's really a, like a bummer for like, you know, having a preaching time and all of a sudden one of the guys dies because you preach too long. I haven't preached that long yet. I'll get there someday. But he preaches and the guy falls out of the window and Paul goes out and raises him from the dead. Now that's cool. Raises him from the dead. But that guy's going to die what? Again, why? It's not permanent. It's not a permanent resurrection. 
But resurrection is part of the Christian life. Do you realize that Jesus told those apostles when he sent them out in Acts chapter 10? We'll put this one up on the screen. Acts chapter 10 verses 5 to 8. When he sent out those early apostles, this is the command that he gave them. Or at least part of the command. Matthew 10 verses 5 to 8. Okay, these 12 Jesus sent out and commanded them, saying, Do not go into the way of the Gentiles, and do not enter a city of the Samaritans. He says, But go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And as you go, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick. Now notice this. He says, Heal the sick. Cleanse the lepers. What does he say do? Raise the dead. That's the command he gives them. Now this resurrection as well is not, is not permanent, it's temporary. Now how about this? You know in Matthew 28, where you have what they call the Great Commission, where he says go and baptize people, making disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them all things I've commanded you, he says to his apostles. So what are they supposed to teach us to do? Put that back up there, Doug, please. Heal the sick, cleanse the leper, Raise the dead. How many of you guys want to see a dead person raised up from dead? That'd be really cool. When was the last dead person you prayed for? Your granddad? Yep. I just said there's a guy on Hogan. What's his, what's his first name? David Hogan. He thinks he's in Mexico, South America. I'm not sure which. He's seen over 300 people raised from the dead. Can you imagine that? I'm just saying this is real. This is part of the Christian life. Resurrection is a truth. Why? Because the God that we worship is the living God. And if he speaks, you'll take people from death to life. Resurrection is part of it. You can't, you can't get around it. It's not just something, because remember, who was it that, that um, one of the sisters, when Lazarus' tomb, when he's there, and he says, listen, um, Jesus said, your brother will live again. And she goes, yeah, I know at the resurrection of the last day. Yes, there's a resurrection in the last day. We'll get to that in a second. Yes, there's a future resurrection. Yes, there's a future glorious, permanent resurrection that will take place, absolutely. But Jesus is saying, I'm standing here, and then raises her brother from the dead. He says, I am the resurrection and the life, he says. I am the resurrection and life. And if Jesus is standing with you, what happens to people? They can go from death to life. Some of you know Jim, Mary's husband. God raised him from the dead. Jim didn't even know Jesus then. It didn't matter. Jesus knew about him. I watched God raise my daughter from the dead. She didn't know Jesus. She was only five months old. But she raised, raised her up from the dead. And she didn't know Jesus, but Jesus what? Knew her. Now we're praying. I remember what had happened and her heart stopped and all this stuff happened. I called a friend of mine. I wasn't in Wales at the time. And I called my friend who was living in Wales and it would have been like the middle of the night here. And I called him up and said, please pray for Ruth because she's had this tamponade. Her heart is getting squished by, the, by all this stuff that's leaking into her pericardial sac around her heart and the doctors didn't know what to do. Her heart just stopped beating. 
I said, can you pray for her? He said, the Lord already woke me up. I'm already in prayer for her. But when you know Jesus, and you know that resurrection is part of the gospel that you believe, you know that the Bible teaches it as a reality, you know that the gospel is central to it, you know that it's part of your confession of faith, and you know that Jesus demonstrated it and then gave the command to the apostles, then you can go to God on their behalf. Because you have access to the throne room and you can talk to him, Lord, will you touch this person? Same thing about healing. We'll get real quiet there. Can I say to you, in essence, there's no difference. Do you think it's more difficult for God to heal someone than to raise them from the dead? Oh, Lord, help us to get that. Let your faith rise. Ben Fitzgerald challenged me years ago. Every time he sees an ambulance driving by, he begins to intercede for the person in the ambulance. You know, there may be nobody else who ever prays for that individual, but you're there. Lord, if they're dying, raise them up. We saw, in fact, we saw it was Claire's uncle. Some years ago, we were in a Bible study in our house, and he was going in for surgery, and they heard that we heard there were some complications. And in our, in our Bible study meeting, we began to pray. We said, Lord, if he begins to die or he dies on the table, will you raise him up so we can go and preach the gospel to him? Guess what happened? His heart stopped on the table. Guess what God did? Raised him up. Guess what we got to do? Go and preach the gospel to him. I'm telling you, this is real. And this isn't just kind of like, well, it's just kind of the angle in which you look at it. No, this is life and death. Someone perishes without Christ, it's a lost eternity. Hell is permanent. It do, you don't go there and burn up and, and, and disa disappear. It's eternal condemnation. But resurrection is real. Resurrection is real. We doing okay? Now the thing is, is that there is a resurrection that happens in regards to... All right, so... When we look at the Lord Jesus, he is the picture of what our future resurrection will look like. So we want to look at his first. So Jesus goes into the tomb. He's executed under Pontius Pilate publicly. He's taken off the cross by Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus. He's wrapped up about 150 pounds worth of spices and stuff he's wrapped up in. He's taken and he's put in, in, a, in a tomb. The tomb, I've been there. The tomb is actually, there's a little door. It's about so big, you gotta, I got to kind of lean over to get, some of you wouldn't have to lean over to walk into it. But I've got to lean over to go into it. And you go in, it's carved out of rock. Over on this side, when you walk in over here, there's like a slab that's carved out of the rock like a bed. That's where he was laying. When they put the stone in front of it, they rolled the stone up and there's like a little groove and they rolled the stone in front of the tomb. Jesus was buried. His body, recognize his body was what? Messed up. When he had been beaten the day before, you couldn't tell he was human. The Bible says he was marred beyond that of any man. 
In other words, his body had so been beaten, every time they slapped him, every time they punched him, every time they tugged at his beard, every whip that came across him, all the crown of thorns that were dug into his skull. It's, if you've ever been in a fight or you've had domestic violence, you know what happens when you get popped in the face. You know that there's bruising that shows up, that swelling shows up. There was no, when when they treated him this way, there was no restraint on those that were hitting him. His body was bloody, literally. His flesh was torn. He didn't look human. So when they took him, now remember, he did this out of love for you. Because there was no other way you could be forgiven. He had to go to the cross. But while, he's, while, while they take him down off the cross and they wrap him up and they place him in the tomb. Psalm 16 is a prophecy about the burial of Jesus and the, the Christ and that he wouldn't, he, God would not leave his soul in Sheol or the place of the dead and his holy one would not see decay. This prophecy that was given in the Psalms, he's, when Jesus comes out of the tomb, all of that's been healed. You need to understand all of his body has been made new. It's glorious now. The Bible says in Romans, oh, pardon me, I think, yeah, let me just double check. Romans chapter 6 and verse 4, that he's raised by the glory of the Father. So the glory of God comes upon the body of Jesus and completely restores it. The only things that are left are the scars that show that you know, yes, he was the one that was crucified. Yes, he's the one. This is the Christ. It's not somebody else. This is Jesus who is the Christ. He was was raised by the glory of the Father. The glory of God came upon that tomb and raised Jesus from the dead, and healed his body absolutely. Lord, help us with this. In chapter 6, verse 6, drop down to verse 9 for me, Doug. So when Jesus' resurrection happens, it's of a different caliber than the resurrection like of Lazarus. Because the Bible says in verse 9 there, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies, what? No more. Death no longer has dominion over him. So the resurrection of Jesus is almost, it's like a different type of resurrection. You have the resurrection where these people are raised from the dead, but they're going to die again. Not Jesus. Death no longer has dominion over him. The glory of the Father restores him, and he rises from the dead, and it's a glorious thing, and death no longer has dominion over him. So if like death is here, he reigns here. Death can't touch him. Death has nothing on him. Tell me, how would you live if you knew death didn't have anything on you? I'd go skydiving, I think. Bungee jumping, woo! If death doesn't have anything on you, you're free, aren't you? I'm telling you, Jesus' body, when he was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, death has nothing on him anymore. Jesus defeated death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Now you have to understand, he's the first fruits of the resurrection. Help us, Lord. 
Jesus, is glory, Jesus gloriously rose from the dead and his body. How about Philippians chapter 3, verse 21? Philippians chapter 3, verse 21. Now, remember, this is, there's two parts to this. The Bible is speaking of when you'll be raised from the dead, but it first is talking about Jesus being raised from the dead because it's comparing the two. He said that who will transform our lowly body, that it may be conformed to what? His, Jesus' body was glorious. What that means is this, when Jesus was raised, his body was still flesh and bone, mortal, in that he died. But the Bible says that when he was raised up, he was raised up gloriously, and now death doesn't have dominion over him. His body, he could walk into a room with every door shut and locked. It was glorious. He could travel from from where he was going to Emmaus with those guys as he was walking along the road, and when they, they realized it was Jesus, it's like he beat them back to Jerusalem. Jesus' body is glorious. It's not limited. He still ate food. He ate the bread. He ate the honeycomb. But he's still, he's not spirit. But that body is like a spiritual kind of glorious body that's everlasting. It's eternal. The Bible calls it a tent that God has reserved for us. And it's like this, this glorious body that he has. When he returns, he's going to return in that same body. When he comes back on the clouds of heaven, you're going to see him. Every eye will see him, the Bible says. And the nations of the earth will mourn because of him. So when Jesus' body is that glorious, so he could walk along as in a resurrected body. He could hang out with his disciples. He could eat breakfast with him on the beach. He could go and have a meeting with over 500 people at the same time. Thomas says, unless I can see him, I'm not going to put my trust in him. And Jesus shows up and says, put your hands there. So he's touchable, isn't he? Mary, as Douglas was preaching on that this afternoon, Mary grabs onto him. She holds onto him. So it's not like he's some kind of spirit, woo. This is his glorious body. It was raised in power. Now the thing is, is that the Bible says that Jesus is the first fruits of the resurrection. Do you know what, the, you know what first fruits are? No? So if you have a tree outside and you don't know what kind of tree it is, what do you wait for? What kind of fruit's going to show up on the tree? When you find out what fruit's going to be there, what does it tell you? It tells you what the rest is going to be like. I know it's simple. Jesus is the first fruits of the resurrection. So Jesus is raised from the dead. Do you realize that when it comes time, you'll be raised from the dead? Amen. Help us, Lord. See, for you, there's a future glorious resurrection, and this is for all believers. In fact, it's for everybody. John chapter 5, verses 24 to 30. John chapter 5, verses 24 to 30. 
Most assuredly, I say to you, he who hears my words and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment, but has passed from what? Death to life. By the way, they've already passed from death to life, having believed in Jesus. It's not a future thing in that way. You already possess eternal life if you belong to him. Next, next verse, pardon me. Next. Most surely I say to you, the hour is coming and now is when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. He's talking about salvation there. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son to have life in himself and to give him authority to execute judgment also because he's the Son of Man. Do not marvel at this, for the hour is coming in which all who are, what? In the graves will hear the voice of the Son of God and come forth, those who have done good to eternal life and those who have done, uh, pardon me, those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of condemnation. Next verse. I myself can do nothing as I hear, I judge, and my judgment is righteous because I don't seek my own will, but the will of the Father who sent me. Go back to verse 29. So what's going to happen? There's a moment when the voice of God will come and every single person will be raised from the dead. Some will be raised to the resurrection of life. Some will be raised up to the resurrection of condemnation. Both will receive a body that will not die. If you have a body that won't die and you go to hell, what's going to happen? Where the worm does not die and the fire does not go out, Jesus said. He's quoting from Isaiah 66. But if your body is resurrected unto life, you're going to have a resurrection body like the Lord Jesus is. So just as his body was glorious in his resurrection, so will yours be. See, we have this idea that when we die, we kind of like go to heaven. That's our idea, yeah? Well, that's only kind of true. <laughs> See, we think I'm going to heaven. I'm going to leave my body in the dirt, and I'm going to go spiritually be in heaven. Yes, absent from the body, present with the Lord. That's true. But do you know that God's goal for you, the design for you, is that that inner person is going to be reunited with a body that will live forever. So you're not some kind of disembodied spirit floating around playing a weird harp. <laughs> bouncing around on clouds. Whee! The Bible says that he's going to destroy this earth, everything in it. And he's going to make a new one wherein dwells righteousness. Death is gone, tears are gone, pain is gone, death is gone. It's, it's made brand new. He's going to make a new heavens and a new earth, and you'll get to be in it in the new Jerusalem. Not the one over there in the Middle East now, but a new Jerusalem that's going to come down out of heaven. That's, um, you can read that for yourself in Revelation chapters 20, 21, and 22. But this is what's going to happen. We're going to be raised from the dead. Anyone want to know any more about that? 
This is a promise to come. Remember when, when Lazarus was being raised, I mentioned earlier, where in chapter 11, verse 24, when one of the sisters is talking with Jesus, he says to her, your brother's going to rise again. She says, yeah, I know. He'll rise again. And Martha said to him, I know he will rise again in the resurrection of the? Okay, notice it's last day, not last days. There's a point in which everything will culminate in a last day. Lord, help us. You don't know when that's going to be, and neither do I. Revelation 20, verses 4 to 6. And I saw, the th I saw thrones, and I sat on them. And judgment was committed to them, and I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for their witness to Jesus and for the word of God and had not worshipped the beast or his image and had not received the mark on their foreheads. And they lived and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. But the rest of the dead did not live again until the thousand years were finished. This is called the what? <coughs> so there is a first resurrection. The Bible says that Jesus is going to come on the clouds of heaven. Let me read it for you so you can know what this says. 1 Thessalonians 4, verses, I think begin with verse 15. First Thessalonians 4. For we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until when? So Jesus is coming back. If you're alive when he comes back. We who remain alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. So he's talking about those who've already died. So if you're alive when Jesus comes back, you're not going to go before, precede, you're not going to go before those that are already asleep, those who have already died. Notice what he says. For, this, for the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a, what? And the voice of an archangel and the trumpet of, and the dead in Christ will, what? Rise first. So let's it. Jesus is coming back on the clouds of heaven. Those who are dead in Christ will be raised, what? First. They're going to be raised up first. This is the first resurrection. They're going to be raised up first. Then, then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds and meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. Now, I'm going to challenge something here. Because I've heard people say Jesus is going to come back in some kind of secret way, and that he's going to take the church out of the world. That's not what that says. He says he's going to come back and those that are dead in Christ are going to go first. Then those that are still here and alive when he returns will get caught up together with him. Oh. See, I'm telling you, there's some weird teachings out there. And they're really good. They have like, like videos and movies and left behind series. And 
Be careful, not of those who are correct. So Jesus is going to come back. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Though they're dead because they didn't take the mark of the beast. That means they were here through the whole, trans, uh, the whole um, tribulation period. And that it was at the end that Jesus comes back. Did we go to verse 18? I'm not sure if we went all the way through. Anyway, Jesus is going to come back. In the process, he's going to redeem your bodies. Romans chapter 8, verse 23. We wait for the redemption of our bodies. How many of you guys like growing, growing older? Anyone? Pastor Claire, she goes, I'm doing it really well. She reminds everyone that I'm older than she is. But, uh, well, that's true. I don't know. You know, as we get older, everything begins to what? Sag. Everything begins to look kind of wrinkly. So you can see some people come to church one day and they're like all wrinkly. And then they come to church and they're like. <laughs> and, and, and they think nobody notices. Right? As if nobody notices. Come on. But we use, people use inject. They do everything to try to stop it from looking, you know. And they get so much Botox that this is them smiling. This is them frowning. And nothing moves in their face anymore. But the Bible says because of the curse that happened, our bodies are falling apart. That's what happens. You get to a point to where I don't know what the peak is. Maybe it's 30. You get to your, like, I don't know. They, they keep changing middle age as to when it is. You know, 30 or 40 is now the new 30 kind of thing. Everyone changes it now. 50 is the new 20. No, it doesn't work. And what happens is, is that we're waiting for a day when Jesus raises up our body from the dead and decay disappears. And we're, learn, we're yearning for it. We want it to be done. How many of you guys want all pain to go? How many of you guys want tears and sorrow to go? How many of you guys are just tired of sometimes just the aches? Praise God for the gifts of healings that he gives us, but you're, you're getting older. And we're waiting for the day Jesus comes back. And in the process, the Bible says that when we're raised from the dead or caught up with him in the air, that our bodies are transformed in the twinkling of an eye. The first fruits, we've already received the Spirit's work, but we're waiting for the redemption of our bodies. Sometimes it's called the, re the, the regeneration that happens in the last time. If you're taking notes, this is Matthew 19 and verse 28, where we go from death to life. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15, verses beginning with verse 50. Now I want you to remember that the, that the voice of an archangel and the trumpet of God. The Bible tells you which trumpet it's going to be. 1 Corinthians now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I tell you a what? Mystery. We shall not all... He's talking about death. Not everyone's going to die. I know Nat said we all are going to die, but we're not all going to die. 
If you're here and alive when Jesus returns, you're going to skip that part. Hallelujah. Who wants to be here when he comes back? I don't want to go through that part. Yeah, I, I understand. I still doesn't, I don't look forward to it. Per se, I suppose. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we all, but we shall all be what? Transformed. Okay? In a moment. In the twinkling of an eye. What's a twinkling of an eye? It's a twitch. It's a twinkling of an eye. How quick is that? Wow. In a moment. The twinkling of an eye. At the witch trumpet? Tells you which one, doesn't it? The trumpet of God, remember. This one tells you, see if you pay attention, the scriptures has a whole lot to tell you. At the last trumpet. How many of you guys realize if you read the book of Revelation, there's a number of trumpets that are mentioned in there? Oh, I'm just, I'm throwing out these ideas because some of you are going to go, I want to read that for myself. Good on you. Not just a trumpet, but the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be, remember the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive shall be caught up together with him. Not all will sleep, but we'll all be transformed, we'll all be changed. And the trumpet will sound, the last trumpet will sound. And the dead in Christ will rise, incorruptible, and, and we shall be, what? Changed. Keep going. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So you, when you're raised from the dead, you become what? Immortal. You don't die again. Just like Jesus, death doesn't have dominion over him. When he raises you from the dead, death doesn't have dominion over you anymore. Eternal life becomes the reality of your experience. Not just internally, but like full on. And all the corruption, all the difficulties, all the falling apart bits, stop falling apart and are renewed. For this corruptible muscle, but when the corruptible is put on in corruption, and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying which is written, death is swallowed up in, in victory. O oh, death, where is your sting? O oh, Hades, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin. Jesus took care of that at the cross. Death he destroyed when he rose from the dead. And he destroyed him who had the power of death, that is the devil, so he could release those who were held in fear all their life to, to death. And he could release them as children of the living God, having eternal life. The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. See, this is my hope. There is a future resurrection that I will be a part of. If you belong to Jesus, you and I together will be a part of it. If you don't believe in Jesus, you're still going to get raised from the dead, but it'll be to the resurrection of condemnation. 
It says those who do good, those who do evil, because when you're born again, we looked at it this morning, when you're made alive in Jesus, not only does he die for your sin, but Jesus died to your sin on your behalf so that you could walk in righteousness, which means your lifestyle is going to change. Oh, a good tree produces, a bad tree produces. You got to deal with the tree and its root and the tree, make the tree good. It's going to bear good fruit. When we come to Jesus, he changes you. You're the tree so that the fruit of your life is good. Then the resurrection is unto life. It's the evidence of the reality of the changed heart. It's just making sense. The last trumpet. The dead in Christ will rise. Then we who are still alive at the coming of Christ will be caught up together with him in the air. I'm telling you, this is a reality. This is a future resurrection. And the body that you get will not die. He'll take all tears and take them away. All condemnation is gone. All fear is gone. He'll take death and Hades, the Bible says, and cast it into the lake of fire. Death is going into that place. Death is done. Then is brought to pass that full victory. Death, where is your sting? Oh, Hades, where is your victory? See, resurrection is serious stuff. It's glorious. You're part of it. There's part of it that is, again, it's a doctrine. It's a basic teaching of the, of the Bible. It's central in the gospel. It's central to your confession of faith. There's a temporary one that we see people get raised from the dead, and we still get to participate in that too. Hallelujah. Jesus rose from the dead, and his body is glorious, and we too will get one that's like his. The corruptible will go, the mortal will go, and Philippians 3 verse 21, we looked at it before. Philippians 3 and verse 21. Maybe go back to verse 20. We'll just kind of read it in context. It's always good to read things in context. Okay. For our citizenship is in where? Heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. That's his return. And when he comes, what's he going to do? The dead in Christ will rise what? First, and then we who are caught up together with him in the air will forever be with the Lord. But our bodies will be transformed. What kind of body will it be like? Who will, be, who will transform our lowly body that it may be conformed to his what? Glorious body according to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things to himself. This is a glorious resurrection. Ephesians 5 and verse 27. Ephesians 5 and verse 27. The Bible says that he's going to present the church like a bride to himself. That he might present her, the church, you and me, to himself as a what? Glorious church. Not having spot or, so all my spots are going to go away. Yeah? No more wrinkles. 
that, but that we should be what? Holy and without blemish before him. You'll be in his presence as a beautiful bride. We belong to him. And he will raise us from the dead. Heaven is our goal. The resurrection is our goal. Not the grave. Let me finish with these words. This is the description of the new Jerusalem that will come down out of heaven. This is Revelation 21. I'm just going to read these verses as we finish. Now I saw, John said, he sees this. I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had what? Passed away. Oh, I thought maybe Doug had it on the screen. Pardon me. Maybe you can put it up there. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. There was all, also there was no more what? Which is interesting. You know what seas do to nations? They divide them. You can have streams and rivers that water the planet, but the new one won't have that kind of division anymore. Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down uh, out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle or the dwelling place, the tent, the tabernacle of God is with men. And he will dwell with them. And they shall be his people. And God himself will be with them and be their God. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Write, for these words are, are true and faithful. We have a resurrection to come. I'm telling you, resurrection is at the core of what you believe. It's in the gospel. It's part of your confession. There's realities that we get to pray people and watch God do miracles. But there's a hope that we have because Jesus is the first fruits of the resurrection. The grave is not my goal. Being with him, renewed, made, made, made immortal. And I have a body that I'm going to receive from him that's going to last me forever. And I will forever be with the Lord. This is a resurrection. This is no little teaching. You guys are not theologians. Hallelujah. Let's pray. I just want to, as we pray, I just want to comment because can I ask you, when the resurrection comes, what side are you going to be on? The resurrection of life or the resurrection of condemnation? There's only one person that can bridge the gap for you. That's the one who was raised from the dead himself. That's Jesus you need to put your trust in him. You need to follow him. This is no more game stuff. It's not in and out. It's not hokey cokey. Just surrender your life to him. When that day comes, he'll raise you up and he'll lose none that the Father has given him. 
Make sure, please, saints, please, people here, make sure you know to whom you belong. It's not a game. The Bible says that Jesus will come like a thief in the night. You don't know the hour. You don't know the day. Please let it be that when he comes, man, I'll see you like we're going to be there with him. We'll be there together because we belong to him. Call to him. Ask him. Plead with him. Jesus, save me. Make me yours. Here's my life. So, Father, we just bless each one here tonight. Lord, I pray for those who may not be sure. Lord, I pray help them tonight that they may surrender themselves to you. That, Lord, they'll know that they're part of this body, this bride of Christ. That when it comes time for resurrection, it's the resurrection to life. They'll enter the glory of the Lord that's been prepared before the foundation of the world. Father, I pray that you would help them. Thank you for the blood of Jesus. Thank you that he's risen from the dead. Thank you that you raised him up so that we can have hope and life. I pray, Father, for your saints tonight that know that they belong to you. Lord, thank you that death is not the final victor. Thank you that victory is ours in Christ. Thank you that they don't need to be afraid. You've not given them a spirit of fear but one of love, of power, and of a sound mind. Thank you, Lord, that you've given us the assurance of life and that we can live this life being raised up with Christ and to walk in the newness of it. Lord, help us that we may be unafraid, that we may be those, Lord, who don't live unto ourselves, but live unto you to walk in love and to proclaim this glorious gospel as we live it out. Bless these, your people, tonight, and help each one of us, we pray, for Jesus' sake. Amen. We're going to finish up with a song as we do. If you want prayer, can I just say, I just, in my heart, I just, if you're not sure, say, well, I prayed the prayer, I did whatever. If you're not sure, listen, there is an assurance that comes from him where his spirit testifies with yours that you belong. Let us pray together. Seek him, because he'll meet with you so that there's no question mark over your destiny. There's no, I'm not sure, so that you're assured by him. Amen? Amen. Amen.